Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. Hi there, dear uh, listeners. It is great to be with you. It is the 17th of September. Goodness gracious, the year has just flown by. I'm not going to give a long introduction. I'm just going to jump straight into it this week. Just for the sake of those who are listening for the first time, I'm busy with the series and this is my second last one. Next week will be the last one. And the series is about the 22 reasons to stop believing in God, a video that has been um, placed on YouTube by a guy by the name of Hemant Mehta. Uh, he gives 22 reasons why it's a good idea not to believe in God and so I'm addressing each one of those and so these are really rebuttals. And if you want to listen further, if you want to figure out if you want to listen further, the two basic questions for today will be this. Can we be sure that Jesus is coming back? And secondly, is it irrational to say that God works in mysterious ways? If anything prickles you there, just continue listening to this podcast. I think there are some interesting things coming up. So please uh, stay with me. Here are number 19 and 20 of the 22 reasons to stop believing in God according to Hemant Mehta. So number 19 is this. People have been saying Jesus is coming back during their lifetime for many, many, many lifetimes. He's not coming back. It's time to move on. Number 20 was this. God works in mysterious ways is typically a euphemism for stop asking Hard questions. Alright, let's get into this. Let me start with the first one. Let me repeat it. People have been saying Jesus is coming back during their lifetime for many, many, many lifetimes. He's not coming back. It's time to move on. Uh, you know, this might be a point here, right? It is quite a rational thing to say. If this God exists, then why doesn't he fulfill his promises? He said he's going to come back. Why doesn't he come back? Apparently, He's going to come back, but he hasn't. So uh, maybe it is because it's all a hoax. Maybe he just doesn't exist. Um, I'd like to say that this still does not disprove God's existence. Uh, therefore, so I don't think it's a good argument to use against the existence of God. But however, let me handle it in any ways. So here are a few thoughts from me. First of all, Jesus never said he's coming back in anybody's lifetime. He never said that anywhere. I think what he's referring to, or maybe what he's heard somewhere or read in the Bible and didn't interpret properly, is referring to the destruction of Jerusalem. Jesus did say that to, to the disciples that he was talking to at the time, he says that well, these things will happen before you die, basically. Before this generation ends, these things will happen. And he was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in AD 70. Okay, you can read about that in Matthew chapter 24, and I know it's sometimes difficult to interpret it, but if you read the text clearly and you read about the um, the desolation of the temple, etc., it becomes quite clear. And it did indeed happen within the lifetime of the disciples. So that's actually more evidence for the existence of Christ because what he said 30 years earlier or 40 years earlier actually came to be in the year 70 AD. So that's the first thing. Jesus never said he's coming back in anybody's lifetime. There is no such scripture in the Bible. Secondly, Jesus never pinned a date and a time on his second coming. He never said, I'm going to come this time or that time. In actual fact, in Matthew 24, 36, Jesus said that nobody knows when the second coming will take place. And he says, not even he knows. Jesus doesn't even know when he is going to come back. He says, only the Father knows. 
Okay, And if you read the text further, it says that God deliberately doesn't tell us when he's going to come back because he wants us always to be ready. That means that the people who claim Jesus was coming back in their lifetime were foolish and they didn't know the Bible. All right. Uh, there's a third thing I think I can just say on this. Um, I love his argument because it is a fulfillment of prophecy. Okay. The fact that he raises this question, the fact that he complains about the fact or, or uses the idea that Jesus has not returned yet is evidence of Jesus' existence. Now, let me read to you a letter that was written by the Apostle Peter. Now, we think he wrote down these words about two years before he was uh, crucified upside down by the Roman Emperor Nero. I'm going to read what he says. Listen to this. This was written 2,000 years ago. Okay. It's in Peter's second letter, uh, chapter 3, from verse 1. It says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Here we go. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. Now, a scoffer is somebody who mocks um, the Christian faith. It's somebody who mocks you for believing in God, which really is what this guy who makes the videos does. Um, listen to verse 4. He says, they will say, he's talking about the scoffers, they will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that exactly what Hemat is saying? Okay. Isn't that exactly the question he's raising? It's like, Jesus is never coming back. Where is this guy? I think God doesn't exist. Well, Peter prophesied this 2,000 years ago. He said, this is what's going to happen. He said, they're going to people who scoff at your faith. And he says, those same people who scoff at your faith, they're going to ask, well, it seems like Jesus is never coming back. For every generation so far, they said Jesus is coming back and he has never come back. Then there's a next point that I would also like to make. I will distrust the second coming of Jesus, just like this guy, if I can trust the atheist belief of the origin of the universe. I'm going to read to you some further verses. Peter continues to say about these people, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. And what he's saying here is he's saying that the same force that started everything, the world and everything in it, the same force that started everything will also end everything. Atheists have not been able to adequately explain how everything has come into existence. But they claim to have total security about Jesus not coming back again. My challenge is this. If you can prove that God was not the one who created the world, then I would agree with you that Jesus will never come back and the whole story is a hoax. But until then, the best answer that we have, the most truthful answer that we have, is that the world was created by Christ and through Christ, 
that the world was created through the Logos, which is the Word. God spoke the universe into existence. And that John chapter 1 verse 1 says that Jesus is that Word. And the book of Colossians says that Jesus, all right, that Jesus created everything. Everything was created for Him and through Him. Everything exists in Him. And then we also then see here that Jesus is going to come back again. So Jesus is the supreme central figure of the whole human race. Then there's another point that I think is important. If God exists and is who he says he is, it should be no surprise that he has not returned yet. I'm going to repeat that. If God exists and is who he says he is, it should be no surprise that he has not returned yet. I'm going to read you some further verses in verses 8 to 9. Listen to what he says. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This text makes it so clear that God doesn't operate into our time frame. A generation, a whole generation is a second for him. The God of the universe, he's not bound by time. He's outside of time. And he always does things at exactly the right time. We think that 2,000 years is a long time. Where has Jesus been? Why hasn't he come yet? But we misunderstand how God operates. He will intervene and bring the world to an end when he has given the human race enough time to repent. He gives everyone a fair chance to get to know him so that no one is without excuse. And so if the scoffers like him, if, if, they would, uh, if they would like to see Jesus come back again, they must do a little bit of more hard work and make sure the whole world turns into atheists because then it won't be too long and Jesus will come back. If everybody has had an opportunity to listen to the truth, I believe then God will come back. And nobody knows when that will be. And he will come and it will be exactly the right time to bring about his judgment. And then there's the next thing that I think can also be said on this note. Science makes me believe in the second coming of Christ. We might reject what the Bible says about the second coming of Christ. But one thing that strengthens my belief that Jesus will come back again uh, is the facts that science represent us or the predictions that science makes. Science agrees that the world began sometime back. And it agrees that the world will end sometime into the future. That we don't live on an eternal planet. Nobody debates that. And what is interesting is what science says will bring about the end of the world. So I did a little bit of research, which was quite interesting. You know, what do the scientists out there say um, will be the likely scenario when the world ends? I read up on what Science Mag says, and they provided three possible ways that the earth could end. You can go read that. It was written by Julia Rosen, July 2016. And she proposes three reasons, three reasons. Solar storms is the first one. And it seems to be that the, the sun is going to be the reason for the Earth's extinction. Um, it, she talks there about a solar buckshot hitting the Earth from the sun, which seems to be like a serious electric current that can basically mess up life on Earth. 
uh, one thing's for sure when it, when she talks about the sun, she's not not talking about uh, cold conditions. She's talking about hot conditions. And the second reason uh, the article provides is cosmic collisions when a large asteroid hits the Earth or a comet hits the Earth. That might be the end of the planet. And then the third thing the scientists predict could possibly happen um, is this super volcanoes. Basically, the idea that the Earth explodes from within. All right. Uh, that's the type of uh, catastrophe that uh, scientists predict. But I, I looked at some other sources as well. The Global Challenges Foundation released their report in 2018 on global ca catastrophic risks and stated the following events that could end the world. They said chemical warfare. And many people have said this before. Perhaps the world will end also through nuclear warfare. Uh, when people stop start dropping nukes on the other side of the planet, um, yeah, I think it will be our end. Uh, the, this, this report also said super volcanic eruptions. This report also said asteroid collisions. And then the looming effects of climate change, which many people believe will eventually lead to the Earth dying through heat temperatures. Um, going crazy. In other articles I read, the scientists predict the earth will eventually boil or the sun will eventually boil the oceans dry. They predict that the sun is eventually going to die sometime. All its gases are going to come to an end. And so what happens before the, the sun dies, it will expand. And in that expansion, it will basically uh, dry out planet earth. Uh, but before the sun explodes, obviously we will be scorched to death. Now, Let's keep this in mind. These are the predictions of the scientists about how the, the earth would end, how life on earth would come to an end. Now, let me read to you this same letter um, of Peter when he talks about the end times. In, in verse 7, I read it already. He says, the earth is reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. So here, 2,000 years ago, uh, Peter said, um, the earth will be destroyed by fire. Okay. Then we read in verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. Interesting. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything will be laid bare. Then we read again in verse 12, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Isn't that interesting it's very interestingly very similar right it sounds like lava it sounds like this the starry hoats the elements even melting in fire right maybe something along the lines of the sun burning up planet earth but if you look at it, it seems like the Bible and science says basically the same thing. Even nature indicates to us that it will all end and even shows us in which way it will end. If the scriptures said that we will all freeze to death in the end, then I would say, okay, maybe you've got a point there. Maybe the Bible is wrong because the Bible usually doesn't contradict with science. But I mean, things are so clear and that at a time when science didn't even exist, through the mouth of Peter, he already said, these are the conditions upon which the earth will end. So science really is confirming um, how the end will come about. And that puts some divine significance on the, these types of writings. All right, let me conclude then.
The real reason why someone would want the second coming to be a hoax is because they refuse to come into the light. We don't want to be held accountable for our deeds. And let me just say this. It doesn't make God angry that we don't want to be held accountable for our deeds. It makes God sad. He has prepared a place for us. This is a temporary dwelling on the planet. This is a place with pain and hurt. And and this is a place with struggle. Work hard. It's short-lived. 70 years. If you don't die early, disease is rampant. Evil is here. And God said, you know what? I've prepared a different place for you guys. But the only way that you can come into my presence is without sin. And the only way that you could, the only way that God could take care of sin, because you see, blood has got to pay the price for sin. The only way that could be done is through through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so God is sad when we consider His Son's second coming, and we don't want to prepare for that that, that day, and we don't want to accept His Son. He's sad. It's not a day that we that He's excited about. The Bible says that He He doesn't delight. In actual fact, it hurts Him when the unrighteous die. He would rather have them turn and live. And so these texts are in here. And we should be thankful Jesus hasn't come back yet. We should be very thankful that he didn't come yesterday. Because there are many people that will be lost for all of eternity. If he did come back yesterday. And so God is patient with the human race. He gives us time to repent. Let's look at the second statement. The second objective then for today. God works in mysterious ways is typically a euphemism for stop asking hard questions. Now, I can really understand this objection. You know, I make it my goal to find the answers for everything, but sometimes I just don't know. Some things just are mysterious. But I've got the following to say, though. Here's some of my thoughts. Just because some questions can't be answered doesn't prove the matter being discussed it's out is outside reality. All right. For example, nature works in mysterious ways too. So we want to say that God doesn't exist because people can't figure out everything regarding God. People can't answer the hard questions about God. Therefore, God doesn't exist. But if you look at it, nature exists, but still there are hard questions that we can't answer. Science exists. Science provides answers, but science cannot provide all the answers. You know, there are so many aspects in nature that scientists can't explain. Let's just think about our own bodies, for example. And this is quite cool. There are nine things, at least, that scientists and biologists can't figure out about human bodies. Yeah, they are. Why do we have fingerprints? Why do we have an appendix? What is its purpose? Why do we have a dominant hand? Why do we yawn? I mean, we yawn from the day that we are born. What's the purpose of yawning? Why do we have different blood types? Why do we dream? Why are there viruses inside our bodies? Why are other primates so much stronger than us? Why is laughter contagious? Okay. So even in our own bodies, there are things that are mysterious, things that we can't answer. Sometimes when nobody has an answer for something, it is actually not a bad idea to say, well, you know what? It is a mystery. I guess the point I'm trying to make is this. There are loads of things that we don't have answers for. There are loads of mysteries in our world. When something is a mystery, we continue trying to find out what the answers are. We don't just fob it off and say, well, therefore, uh, you know, it doesn't exist. Similarly, just because there are some questions about the God that can't be answered 
doesn't mean that suddenly now God doesn't exist. There's a second point I'd like to make. If God is indeed God, then it is impossible for us to understand everything about him. That's a rational statement. If God is indeed God, then it is impossible for us to understand everything about him. We can't even figure out what he has created. We can't even figure out the bodies that we have, right? Never mind the creator, the one who made it. The creator is always deeper and more complex than the creation. He has to be. If we could understand God and wrap our minds around every possible question, then we would be bringing God down to our level and he would no longer be God. Because if a human mind can fully comprehend all the aspects about God, well, then that is not a God. The prophet Isaiah said, speaking on God's behalf, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God himself said, you guys won't be able to comprehend me. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we humans, we are trying to figure out the corners. The, we're trying to figure out the depths and the complexities of the universe. We can't even figure that out. Things close to us, things far from us, we can't figure out. And these are the things that God created. The psalmist, I think, says that God names the stars by name. We can't even count them, but God has given them names. So it's, it's quite silly to think that a human brain will be able to answer all the questions regarding God. The third thing, if God is God, he doesn't owe us any answers. If God is God, he doesn't owe us any answers. The created doesn't question the creator. The creator doesn't have to give all the answers to the created. And you know, sometimes even if he did and he could give us answers, we wouldn't be able to comprehend it. Okay, Language couldn't describe. Language can't describe what's happening in heaven, the Bible tells us. So in which words will God be able to explain himself? Our vocabulary can't even explain God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Even God's own word says, there are some things that I'm not going to reveal to you. There are some questions that you will have till the day that you die. Okay? There are some things that you will never understand on this planet, but one day you will understand it all. I find it interesting that atheists claim that Christianity can't answer hard questions. Yet Christianity is the only faith that can answer adequately the four most important questions of life. And yet there are, if you haven't heard them before, where do I come from? Why do I exist? How do I determine what is right and wrong? And where am I going when I die? Atheism cannot answer those questions adequately. No other faith in the world can. Only Christianity can. So I wonder whose worldview or whose world works in mysterious ways. So let me conclude as I like to do with these series. Um, and just provide a return challenge to the atheist community. Firstly this. There hasn't been one prophecy of the Bible that has not been fulfilled. I think it is a wise and rational idea to then believe the lost prophecy will also be fulfilled.
right there. The Bible is loaded with prophecies that have already been fulfilled. It's got a brilliant, it's got a 100% track record. The Bible has never made a prophecy that it hasn't fulfilled. Okay, and so if it's faithful so far, if you're rational, you would, you would then agree that it's a pretty good idea to agree that Jesus is going to come back sometime. Maybe if you want some examples. I mean, Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies by dying on the cross. And if, if, you, if you don't want to believe in the Jesus thing, then just go into history. Go look at the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel prophesied about the world powers. Who would reign next? From the Persians, the Assyrians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the Babylonians, all included in that prophecy. And if you look at world history, it actually came to fruition as that. And Daniel was written before those world powers came into existence even. The prophecy of the destruction of Jerusalem that I mentioned earlier happened in line with the words of Jesus. The historical facts are there. You would be a fool to ignore it. Secondly, the moment you have answered all the questions regarding an atheistic worldview, only then can you criticize Christian faith for struggling to answer hard questions. In other, words, in other words, what we see here is that atheism is criticizing Christianity for not being able to answer some questions and using the answer, well, God works in mysterious ways, which actually makes sense from God's perspective. Uh, 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 God's ways are mysterious to the small mind of a human. Okay, So instead of claiming that Christianity is untrue because Christianity can't answer some questions, you know, before you do that, first go check your own worldview and make sure that you, you are able to answer all your questions before you use that as a, as a basis to criticize Christianity because the same can be thrown at you. Atheism has much more unanswered questions than theism. It's a fact. Guys, God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Keep on wrestling with these ideas and don't hesitate to chat with me. Send me a message. Uh, on Facebook or wherever if you've got my WhatsApp number or email or just chat with me and if there's anything that you would like me to address on these shows please do so I'm considering doing a, a series of podcasts on the different denominational churches um, in the upcoming months um, and I, I hope that that will be a blessing to people because there's a lot of confusion one of the key um, things that uh, people criticize Christianity for it's the sheer number of different opinions there are about the different churches etc so I think it's important to to talk about that and lay that to rest God bless you cheers guys bye bye